All right, boys and girls, we are back with another edition of the Ben Dominich Podcast, an emergency edition of the Ben Dominich Podcast, because the former president of the United States was indicted this week. You may have noticed that. Uh, And so because of that, I wanted to have a conversation with someone who's been paying attention to all of the legal challenges faced by the former president, Eli Lake. He is the host of The Re-Education with Eli Lake. I encourage you to subscribe to his podcast. There's some fascinating episodes on there. He does these produced podcasts that are really well done, especially I would uh, recommend to you, uh, you listen to an episode about the politics of John Lennon, the Beatle, uh, and how they changed over the course of his lifetime. Eli is someone who uh, I certainly turn to on these subjects. He is a writer for a number of different publications, a a contributing uh, columnist at Commentary Magazine and at uh, The Spectator, where I am obviously editor-at-large. And he's uh, able to give us, I think, a very interesting perspective on what's coming out of this Alvin Bragg indictment, what it means politically for Donald Trump, and the kind of legal class that has targeted the president both when he was in office and now that he's out of it. Eli Lake, coming up next. Eli Lake, thank you for joining me for this emergency episode of the Ben Dominich podcast uh, because the former president of the United States has been indicted. How do you feel about that? I could be persuaded, I suppose. I think generally indicting a former president's a bad idea. I think it's good in our country that our leaders leave the White House and they are not dogged by prosecutions and lawfare and that it's bad usually in other countries. And this was, by the way, one of the reasons why you could say that the Roman Republic declined. This is a problem that Mm -hmm. goes back to the beginning of, um, you know, democratic or republics. Um, So... That is a general, but then it's like, all right, if there's a case and you can show me that it was worse than what I thought it was, then I might be able to be persuaded that it was, yes, a precedent was broken, but it was in response to a terrible precedent. So Mm -hmm. just to, I know this is a long answer, but like, I don't know, if there was proof that Donald Trump had clearly given the instruction to... I don't know, Patriot Prayer or Proud Boys, to bring weapons to the Capitol. That's sedition. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I feel like that a better... Like, I Go kidnap supported... Mike Pence. If it's, it's yeah, right, like something that. like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, like, I supported the second impeachment just based on everything else that he was doing in the lead-up to that. So mm-hmm. I thought he should have been impeached that second time. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to make it seem like I can't imagine him not doing anything. But then, like, you look at what this is... Um, this is like, you know, Alvin Bragg, and this is what, listen, Alvin Bragg is an elected official in New York City. So he has these political interests. So, you know, to a certain extent, he's, he's following his incentives. What I think is wrong is worse is that it's, it's the, it's the, you know, legal elites like, uh, you know, Harvard Law School emeritus professor Lawrence Tribe or Andrew Weissman, the number two for the Mueller investigation or Barbara McQuaid or all of these people who have now said, Oh my God, what a solid case this is. I'm, I'm sorry, but you just didn't, you just broke a precedent. You just crossed a Rubicon, uh, you know, and you've accused the former president because he's like picking his toes 
picking his feet in Poughkeepsie. It's like we we got him on criminal jaywalking, and no jaywalker is above the law, and including Donald Trump. And I'm like, you guys have lost your minds. Yeah. Even if you wanted to nail Trump, even if you want to, if you think he's the devil, you think this is going to fly. And that's why it's a. I'm somewhat heartened that people who I have come to sort of disagree within the Trump era sometimes for on things like Russiagate, like David Frum and even Jonathan Chait, they're like, this is weak sauce, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And the, so the, I like, mean, the, 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 the line for me was when Andrew McCabe, you know, is, is on CNN going, yeah, this is really unimpressive. You know, when Ian Milheiser, you know, a guy who, yeah, I know, you right. Know, when Ian Milheiser, tweeting, you know, like, I have not yet been arrested by the Trump administration, you know, for the first year or whatever. I have to be honest with you. When I saw Ian Mielhauser come out against it, I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Because he's <laughs> almost always right. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like, so that's, like, hopeful. But, like, there still is a Praetorian guard of these real legal elites, people who, um, like, Mary McCord, like, people who yeah. had senior positions at the Justice Department, people who still have enormous influence within the Justice well, Department. Well, I mean, James Comey, this is a good day, you know? And it's like, that's... Oh. That's, I mean, look, you know, I, I'm disgusted by, you know, sort of everything about Comey because I don't like people who play up no, their own Boy Scout nature. That was you know? maybe one of the best things that Donald Trump ever did was fire James Comey. I mean, oh, the no, time, the, the only mistake out. he made was not firing him on the first day. He deserved yeah, to be exactly. fired on the first day. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would have done it just out of, you know, vengeance for Martha Stewart. But, you know, it's one of these things where I, I think you you come into something like this and you say, okay, on the one hand, this is this momentous legal event going after a former president of the United States, a former commander in chief. You really want it to stick, but aren't the political incentives kind of adjusted in such a way that it doesn't matter for Alvin Bragg whether they stick or not? That, that's what I think is going on. I think that, he, you know, he would suffer more of a backlash if he didn't bring a case, no matter how weak it was, because... They basically, I, I just uh, did my podcast, uh, it's out today, and I call it the um, the Democrats' Stan Valshek problem. And I'm basing this on The Wire Season 2, mm-hmm. where police major, powerful guy, gets a unit to investigate his rival going back to high school, this guy, uh, Frank Sabatka, who runs the local Stevedores Union. And then there's this great scene where he finally is getting the update from the prosecutor and the police guys and everything like that. And they're explaining this, you know, incredible, you know, criminal conspiracy that involve, you know, importing drugs and like bringing women for an illegal prostitution. And like, it's, it's like, you know, it's interesting stuff. And so, and, and Stan Valtrick says, I'm not hearing the name Frank. This is an investigation about Frank Sabatka. I'm not hearing his name. Where is Frank Sabatka? And that's the point. It's like, that's not, that's an abuse of the law. We do not just investigate the man. Mm-hmm. We investigate the crime. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time Bobby Kennedy did this when it came to Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, there's all kinds of examples of this kind of abusive thing. But for some reason, in the era of Trump, this vice, which generally was looked down upon as an abusive cro- prosecutorial, became a virtue. Mm-hmm. So Andrew Weissman could not be more open about the fact that, like, oh, my God. So he did this, by the way, in Mueller. He... Nobody ever was threatened with jail time for violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Um, he he came up with a brand new interpretation of it that overturned like 50 years of precedent. 
And he bragged about it in his book. He's like, yeah, I was rolling up the conspiracy, which by the, by the way, they never did get the conspiracy. Yeah. And, and Andrew Weissman is such, I think he's really um, metaphorically such a cancer on our republic mm-hmm. that this is somebody who was part of the team that did not find a conspiracy between Trump and Russia and still corrects people on Twitter saying, no, 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 no. We did find collusion. We just didn't try. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I know we can't. <laughs> but it's so frustrating because it's like somebody like that has a lot of influence. And it's uh, we, it's it's just really we got to clean. It's like this is where I, I think Barr kind of, uh, you know, uh, William Barr kind of had it. He had it right. The Justice Department really does need to be cleaned out. And it's like bigger than the Justice Department. The, the legal elites like. I, I know this is going to sound somewhat crazy, but I, I kind of feel like we should um, shut down Harvard Law School until we find figure out what the hell is going on there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, no, I'm just like, you're right. Ev- you're right. I mean, I know. And I'm just like, I know you guys are smart. I, I couldn't have gotten into Harvard Law School. I'm not. But like, we have a kind of, we have trusted these institutions with, you know, doing justice. And something has happened in the last generation or maybe before, and it's produced people like Andrew Weissman, who mm-hmm. are just so abusive of their. I mean, this is a. I mean, the other big thing that he did is he he destroyed Arthur Anderson Consulting, and then he was rebuked unanimously by the Supreme Court. Yep. Uh, we would hope that that would be an outlier. That this well, is a guy. Can, can I ask you? Be, is this is this kind of the is this the chickens coming home to roost when it comes to the credentialing of our elites that we've we've given them all these stamps that say. This is an elite thinker. This is an elite person. Uh, but in reality, you know, they turn out to basically be, you know, machine party members, essentially. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's an interesting – I've thought about that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen, once you start going down that road, it yeah. can be pretty bad, too. You get the cultural revolution. Yeah. We don't want that. I, I And so I'm not – I'm. I'm just – what I'm saying is that – it's a specific problem, as I said, with our legal elites. I mean, uh, there is there's a very revealing tweet from uh, Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post, <laughs> which is like she's describing like the status of the debate uh. over like whether this is a good prosecution or solid law or not. And she says, you know, on one side are people who have experience with SDNY, that's the Southern District of New York and New York State prosecutions, but all and Law and Brookings, the Brookings Institution, and Just Security, which is a, I, I guess a, a website affiliated with the Brennan Center at New York University. Mm-hmm. And she's right that there are those are, if you go to Brookings and you go to Just, if you go to like the Lawfare blog, you will find lots of people defending this. Al, Alvin Bragger, I haven't checked that, but I know Just Security has been like laying the yeah. thing. And these are like law professors. These are people who went to the best law schools. And is the job in these cases? To give the best legal analysis, or is the job to put lipstick on a pig mm-hmm. and to basically rationalize what has uh, rationalized what is a totally abusive prosecution of Trump, which I think should be summarily dismissed? And you know, listen, my hope is that Alvin Bragg will suffer grave reputational damage for. Mm-hmm. Pulling this done, I doubt it will. I doubt that will happen. But that will at least be a kind of disincentive for 
let's be honest, there's going to be Republic, ambitious Republican DAs who are now going to look at bringing in, you know, Hunter yeah. Biden or Jim Biden for picking his toe, feet in Poughkeepsie. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, that's what it is. It's, they're just going to figure out some other, uh, you know, pretext to and, and, the, and the process will be the penalty. And it's the indictment. It's the fingerprinting and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we and we, how are we going to get out of this? This I mean, is the thing that really concerns hard. me the most, because, you know, we we have resisted uh, largely in America uh, the impulse to engage in these types of of aggressive uh, prosecutor pursuit of people who are their partisan enemies. And I think that we're now going to move into a new stage in all likelihood. But that retribution, that that tit for tat kind of approach is this kind of thing that just completely wrecks our ability to function as a republic. I don't know, though, what the incentive is going to be in the opposite direction to say, I'm not going to do this thing. Because instead, I think there are going to be a lot of people who, you know, have donors and voters and other people in their ear basically saying, you know, why aren't you standing up to this kind of persecution from the left? You know, you should be indicting so-and-so. He deserves to be in jail. And, and, you know, they're saying that obviously for partisan reasons, ideological reasons. But the point is to sort of say, look, if you follow around somebody day after day, you're eventually going to find when they, you know, are speeding or parking illegally or, you know, doing whatever it is. Uh, and you're going to find something to, to book them on. And that to me is just a really, I mean, it makes bipartisanship impossible in terms of the way that our government is designed to function. Well, it's listen, sometimes bipartisanship can be overrated. Oh, it totally. Makes potentially the peaceful transfer of power very more difficult. Now, listen, Trump is a norm violator. What Trump did after the 2020 election is inexcusable. I'm never going to defend that. Um, so, and as I said... If this had been a really solid case that dealt with serious behavior that I think, you know, voters could say, yeah, that's a crime. You can't do that. It would be a little bit different. The fact that the first case is paper thin, Mm -hmm. you know, bull excrement. (laughs) It's like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, you don't see the damage here that... Uh, you can't even convince David Frum and Jonathan Chait that this is a, a, a meritorious investigation and prosecution. And it's all the more egregious when the when Alvin Bragg's office is, you know, declining to, to prosecute violent crimes in the subways. Totally. So, I mean, that is... I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody so, said the next time that someone punches somebody out, is he going to do 34 counts based on each punch? You know? <laughs> well, I like I liked Charlie Cook had this really hilarious line. It's like if, if Trump had actually shot someone on Fifth Avenue, he probably would have gotten uh, probation. <laughs> you know, so because. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? And so, I mean, there's a part of me that's like. I really hope that, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's I could you could see a, a rebellion in New York or something like that, you know. But it's like, listen, these things can happen. Like they, the, the Democrats in 2020, they ran on defunding the police, and no, they they, they can't really have paid a price. So let me ask you about that because oh. my theory has been. I actually asked my friend Emily Eakins uh, at the Cato Institute, vice president there. She's their uh, head of polling to look yeah. into this. Um, 
uh, this past week. I said, there has to be an actual line, like a, a researchable, sort of definable line where the partisanship of a city leads their politicians to do incredibly crazy things that they wouldn't do if it was just a little bit lower. And I don't know what right. that is, but think of it as like the Mendoza line for cities. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, is it because at 70 percent Democrat, you know, they might not do these things, but at 80 percent Democrat, they'll yeah. do these things, you know, and there's some point there that is definable. And I feel like that's what we're seeing right now. And it, it, it scares me only in the sense that, like, we are not that far removed. You remember, Eli, you know, from the the point where we could actually have people sit down in a room together and not just, you know, treat each other like villains who needed to be cast aside into the, uh, you know, pits of hell. And what I think is, it, it, it's so weird because there is this alt history where in 2016, like Chuck Schumer just decides to be best friends with Donald Trump. And they and they you know go down. Where they this, do infrastructure. Yeah, and, merry road right, yeah. together of of uh, what the realignment thought would happen. You know, in terms of in terms of that. Instead, you get RussiaGate. You get all these investigations. You get the animosity, the enduring animosity over Hillary, um, and that just you know extends to today. There's all these opinions out there, Eli, about what this does to the 2024 Republican nomination. Do you have an opinion yourself? It's good for Trump. Yeah. And here's why it's good for Trump. I think a lot of people don't understand. There is a subset of Trump supporters who just love the guy because he's yeah. funny or whatever. I think most people, though, support Trump who are like within the Republican Party because his vices are virtues when you're up against you know, Andrew Weissman and, and Alvin yeah. Bragg and Russiagate and Hillary Clinton's efforts to, uh, you know, like sick the FBI on the Trump campaign. And you look at the terrible behavior that is never really like there's no reckoning in nope. the media. Like, I mean, I, I bring this up. I wrote this. We both wrote spectator pieces on this. But last year, the Federal Election Commission fined Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC for, ready for it, misreporting the Steele dossier expenditures as legal fees or, like, legal payments, which is what Trump did with this mm -hmm. hush money. Said, so, oh, they're legal fees to Michael Cohen. That sounds pretty similar to me. And if you're going to tell me that the public not knowing about Stormy Daniels, which, by the way, already, like, Stormy Daniels talked about this, like, I don't know, in 2011 or something like that. That that was inf that was influencing that was illegally influencing the election. Then what the hell is the Steele dossier? And then like pretending that the Democrats didn't have anything to do with that. So it's such an obvious double standard for justice that it doesn't take much. It's you're not crazy to notice that it's a double mm -hmm. standard for justice, um, and that they seem to be completely unaware of it. I think it was I think it was one of my uh, uh, I think it was. Uh polymath the one of the people who i follow he writes the marginally compelling uh, Substack, uh who made the point um uh that you know if if 
Uh, if your standard is that George Soros didn't fund Alvin Bragg, then your standard is that Trump didn't pay Stormy Daniels. Right. Because <laughs> it's both intermediaries. Um, right. But but it, it does – it seems just so ridiculous on its face. At the same time, I, you know, I do think that there is this feeling among Republican voters, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, where as much as they support Trump against this onslaught, and view him as being someone unfairly victimized, uh, you know, and and targeted. There's also this feeling of exhaustion, this feeling that, sure. you know, it's I always something with this guy, you know. And so my question to you is, the final question is, does that leave a lane for someone like Ron DeSantis to stand <laughs> up and say, you know, look, I think what they're doing is terrible. I think what they're doing is wrong. I can win and I can win in a way that he can't and I'm going to actually change things as opposed to just complain about them. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be very hard to thread that needle. Yeah. Because what is, I mean, listen, I mean, in a weird way, I think the Democrats and Alvin Bragg are basically trying to get Trump the nomination for 2024. On the other hand, they're trying to disqualify him from the nomination in 2024. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like make him make him win it, but take as many arrows as they possibly can drive into him. Yeah, or base or like if this succeeds, then you know he can't run if he's convicted of a felony. So yeah, I I just think I think it's very it's going to be very interesting to see how DeSantis navigates that, particularly because I think now he's on this course where he can't afford not to run. Well, I mean, I I I would much rather DeSantis be the nominee than Trump. But this makes it a lot harder for him. Yeah, Eli, like, you're gonna, you what so are you going to attack Trump now? Sorry, if you're DeSantis, you're going to you're going to attack Trump when when you know what I mean. He's getting well, slings and arrows. So, so my theory him. of that case, and so this is, uh, look, I'll tell you what I would say. Yeah, if I were on stage with Donald Trump and I was Ron DeSantis, what I would say is, you know, I really respect you, and I think you did a lot of great things when you were president. But the fact is that when COVID came down, you botched yeah. it. You listened yeah, to Anthony Fauci. You listened to all the people at the CDC. You let them shut down the schools. You let them shut down the country. You never should have done that. You should have fired Anthony Fauci the minute that he said the school should be closed. In Florida, I did the opposite. I opened things back up, and you criticized me for it. And guess what? I was right. Okay? And yeah. you can say it. As much as you want, but I was right, and you were wrong. And that tells us something about the way that we approach government, about the way that we approach our jobs, and about how much trust we put in the people. And that's the difference between you and me. You were wrong, and I was right. And the problem is, of course, that Trump will then, you know, he'll lie about what actually happened. But no, he can't, I think the, he the problem is the problem, problem is for Trump is that he can't afford to admit, admit ever that he's wrong. No, no, but I think I think that you're right. Had this indictment not happened, that would be a very, very effective attack line, and I would hope that DeSantis would do it. But if you are a tribe, okay, and there is an internal fight over who leads the tribe, well, it's a different fight when the tribe is under existential attack, exactly from another tribe, which is which is the point. Like it's yeah. like. You could have that discussion like, hey, you kind of screwed up COVID and you know what? Like, I, I don't actually think 
you know, your, your approach on this was as good as you think it is. Let's debate it, which is like what you could do if the Democrats were, election. were not launching, you know, totally almost unpredicated, ridiculous, you know, felony yeah. prosecutions against Trump. And, you know, is it kind of ridiculous and he says listen if they can do it to me they can do it to you because how many average americans pay one hundred thirty thousand dollars in hush payments to like porn stars that's kind of ridiculous but the sentiment is very real because a lot of americans feel that they are screwed over by a faceless largely progressive left-leaning bureaucracy that in their workplace they are told that they can't say certain things and they're constantly wrong-footed and they could lose their job over things that seem like you know the new codes of behavior that were just invented so there is something there is a sense of a of of i think a lot of republican and conservatives are feeling somewhat aggrieved and trump being attacked is the way that he lashes them ever closer to him yeah so it's really hard for to then have another conversation which i th- i hope which would be great let's talk about managing covid let's talk about anthony fauci yeah absolutely that should be our that should be our public conversation, but it won't be because of Alvin freaking Bragg. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is just like, and I don't, he's really like a, I don't want to hear from Democrats again about the rule of law or how they love democracy. You don't love democracy. They don't believe that when they you say just, it. They you just, it's that. all like happy talk because you just, it's, and, and I don't even understand. I don't even think it's smart from the perspective of the Trump resistance, right? Like, I just think that. This muddies the water. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like if there are other indictments, then it's yeah. like you're going to compare it to this crap. Well, I mean, part of this part of this too is that they're running on, you know, if you look at kind of the, the, the election cycles that we've had, they're running on abortion and uh, and anti-election denial, you know, sort of, sort of uh, you know, you can trust us when it comes to, you know, the election side of things. Uh, and they've weaponized that, you know, repeatedly. They did it again in Wisconsin this week. Um, and th- this whole, like, we believe in law and order and no one's above the law stuff, it's absolutely, you know, transparent in terms of how ridiculous that is and how much that's a lie. Amen. And I just, just I think there's a part of this, which is because it does seem insane. It does seem reckless, right? It does seem like this is a crazy thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think some of it is because there is an elite cult-like bubble that they have wanted since 2017 to see Trump incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And they never get it. And this is like, and they just, that's all they care about. It's because it's like, if if we look at this as like the politics of a great nation, that's maybe the wrong thing. We should look at this as, you know, fan fiction mm-hmm. for like Buffy the Vampire Slayer super fan fans. fiction for Joy Behar. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, right. Fan fiction for Joy Behar. I'm just saying it's like, this is like the final scene. We, we need this. Like, what, what you're going to deny us the season finale for Game of Thrones? Give me a break. <laughs> I want this. And it's like, it's their entertainment, but it's also their identity. Mm-hmm. And they lecture us about how much they care about democracy. Um and you know listen I'm I'm delighted that Democrats have finally discovered that Russia's really bad because I've thought that for many years so I am like you know harder faster stronger for Ukraine but it's like you know it's amazing to me this is it's so bad for the country mm-hmm. and they think they're doing the right thing they think they're heroes and I, the way to explain that is that they're like just basically part of like this 
overzealous fan community. Yeah. Eli Lake, thank you so much for taking time to uh, ben Domin, it's always a pleasure. emergency, we'll emergency conversation. More of the Ben Dominish podcast right after this. So I wanted to give you my own perspective, uh, a little bit of it on what's gone on this week when it comes to this indictment. I think that people are underplaying, if anything, the level of damage that it could do to our society and to our republic. We do not have the kind of uh, government that is designed to maintain itself when we have partisans targeting each other in very aggressive ways like this, using lawfare, warfare by legal means uh, to target their opponents. It's something that I think is really abhorrent and anti-American. And unfortunately, I think when it comes to a lot of former presidents, they could absolutely be brought to bear on a number of these different fronts by prosecutors, attorneys general, district attorneys, and the like who want to further their own careers. I'll give you just one example of this. Let's say you're a district attorney, uh, a prosecutor, someone in a position where you have the power to legally indict former President Barack Obama over the droning of an American citizen. You could do this in a number of different ways. Uh, there's certainly, you know, ways that you could try to sort of go after him for something that he did while in office, something that has been legally questionable all along, but he did do it. Uh, and he certainly is not, it's not even a question that he did it. These types of decisions, of course, authorized by our commander in chief are things that we can debate politically, that we can go back and forth on, but that we do not believe they should be legally liable for once they leave office. Yet if you're allowing that this is the kind of thing where any decision that they make, whether it's something as pedestrian and ridiculous as paying someone off in terms of this hush money deal that President Trump apparently had with this uh, porn star Stormy Daniels, uh, it, it's whether it's something that is a hush money deal for something else, whether it's something that could be construed as a hush money deal. Um, you know, whether it's something that is, you know, completely in order in terms of their actual office, um, allowing access, for instance, or, you know, encouraging people to do one thing or the other. We don't believe in seeing our commanders and chiefs, uh, you know, held before trials and juries and judges based on the decisions that they make while they are serving in the most important political office in the land. But I do think that's what we are going to see. I think that the uh, Pandora's box has been opened and that we are not going to return to a before time when the things that presidents do, whether they're in office or whether it's before they were in office, um, are out of bounds for local politicians. And keep in mind, Alvin Bragg is a politician. Elected officials uh, are able to go after them or find a way to go after them in a way that could further their own political career. If you end up with a gubernatorial race in New York State that is between Letitia James and Alvin Bragg, I would not be surprised. And I do think that this is going to be something that certainly pays his way forward in terms of the lecture circuit, the book that he's inevitably going to write, and all the other things that are going to come out of this. That's a horrible way to do politics in any country but particularly in America. I'm Ben Dominich. You've been listening to the Ben Dominich Podcast. We'll be back soon with more to dive back into the fray.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 